There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This episode is brought to you by the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. You have to hear this. Uh, I'm going to play this thing for you in a minute. Some context first. Rex Murphy, of course, is um, probably the biggest champion of the oil sands in Canadian media. He is a climate change denier. He is a outspoken advocate, a passionate advocate of the oil sands, and he speaks uh, in favor of the oil sands and against its critics regularly on the CBC's flagship news broadcast, The National. He writes again and again in favor of the oil sands and against the oil sands critics in the National Post previously in the Globe and Mail. And uh, what you're about to hear is Rex Murphy championing the oil sands, championing uh, the oil industry for the oil industry and being paid by the oil industry to do so. This is taken from a video you'll find on YouTube where uh, part of the description reads, 
the environmentalists can choke on this with mental in all caps. It seems that this video was shot at an oil industry conference that was held at a luxury resort in the Rockies last year in November. And what you'll see uh, is this gala dinner and, and Rex Murphy is, is approaching the stage. I, I don't want to say stumbling towards the stage, uh, sauntering towards the stage, clutching a goblet of wine uh, in his hand. And, uh, <laughs> and you have to hear this. Speaking of energy, just a little screech. Uh, I'm not used to being in rooms full of achievers. But the fact that I'm on this stage now means that I'm not currently in Toronto, which is about a moral and hygienic elevation. I'm just wondering when you're bringing on Neil Young. You know, I saw that he was giving advice on the oil sands. I wouldn't take advice from Neil Young if he was talking about the bare naked ladies. But his information on what goes on here, on the sophistication, on the technological miracles, do you understand how much mind Mind is in Fort McMurray. It's probably in its way one of the most intellectual landscapes on the entire planet. It certainly wouldn't start a song, I was a miner for a heart of gold. No. You are renewing Confederation, whether you know it or not. This is the 20th anniversary of a great company. Understand what you are doing. This is the project of the 21st century, and everyone is ashamed to admit it. I like trees. I'm sure you do too. But there's nothing going on in Alberta that is murder on the trees. You're at the very edge of technological achievement. You're at the very edge of scientific investigation. You're doing things with resources that even 60 years ago would be attributed to demonic powers. This is something to be truly lauded, celebrated. And then the people who criticize you, why are you listening to them? You should exult in what you're doing. Energy rules the world. Without it, we're back throwing stones at each other. What a wonderful thing you oil companies are that you helped so many ordinary people get back their dignity, hold their families together, and have the taste of self-reliance in their mouth. All right, so uh, th there it is. There's a taste of it. It's a, it's a longer speech, and I'll throw up a link to the whole thing on CanadaLandShow.com. However, that is just one of Rex Murphy's paid speaking engagements for the oil industry. There are at least 25 a Google search will reveal. There's probably more than that because these events are not always listed online. I know a little bit about these events because, full disclosure, I do corporate speaking and a little bit of other corporate writing when I can. It's a tricky thing to navigate, and sometimes I have to turn down work. I turned down work, for example, from BlackBerry because at the time I was covering technology. And how could I write about technology? How could I write critically about BlackBerry if I'd been paid by them and hope to get paid by them again in the future? 
For that matter, how could I write critically about the iPhone or Android having been paid by BlackBerry? And you can't hide this stuff, even if you wanted to, it's going to come out. So I avoid anything that I think I'm likely to cover, but you never know. You never know if you're going to be speaking for a group that you will have to cover at some point in the future. And while a lot of this is debated, is somewhat controversial amongst journalists, should we be doing this kind of thing or not? What is not controversial is if you do find yourself in a position where you have a conflict of interest, where you have taken money from somebody who you are now covering as a journalist, you must disclose this. You have to tell your audience and then they can make up their own mind as to whether or not you are a shill. Now, I have asked the National Post some questions about uh, how much they knew about Rex Murphy taking money from big oil and whether they plan to run any kind of disclaimer in the future. Their editor is on vacation. I'm going to get back to you with their statement when I get it. A different journalist started this process. Well, actually, the story started with a website called Press Progress. It was then picked up by Andrew Mitrovica on iPolitics. Andrew is a career investigative reporter. He was with the CBC for a number of years. He was the Globe and Mail's national security reporter. These days, he is a journalism instructor, and he writes a column for iPolitics. He has put the CBC on the spot for their relationship with Rex Murphy and how they're going to handle all of this news. And that's something that you really need to hear as well. And it's coming right up. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. It doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. FreshBooks.com is the exclusive sponsor of Canada Land. You should use FreshBooks if you want to file invoices electronically, if you want to get paid electronically, if you want to get paid quicker, if you want to keep better track of your business. For all of this, check out FreshBooks.com. 
I want to talk about Rex Murphy. Sure. And try to get to the bottom of this. And you are a career investigative journalist. Yes. You've been investigating Rex Murphy. And I will start with a controversial question. Have mm. you been able to confirm whether or not he actually contributes to the national? <laughs> well, it is still a mystery, uh, at least uh, according to the CBC. But if our eyes don't betray us, uh, I, I do think that he makes a routine contribution to that program. They gave you a no comment. You asked, can you at yes. least confirm that he yes. contributes to the national? And they yes. said no comment. I recognized that I was sort of being played by the CBC. Give us your questions and we'll get back to you. And then, of course, they don't get back to you because they try to get in front of the story. And this was, you're referring to Jennifer McGuire's uh, yes. blog post from yeah. the editor's desk. So I thought, okay, well, two can play that silly game. Let's begin with some fundamental questions. <laughs> Does he appear on The National? No comment. When I said to him that I would quote him saying that, of course, he quickly tacked said, of course, he's on the national. And then, of course, my follow-up question was, well, what does he do on the national? The response came back, no comment. And of course, for any reporter, you don't have to be an investigative reporter. This is like manna from heaven, because it just paints a picture of an organization that seems more eager to protect than to inform the media control, the message control, and issuing their own kind of release yes. as opposed to withstanding the questions. It's, it's more of what you'd expect from a political campaign yes. than from a public broadcaster. But we'll return to them. What were you asking about? Let's, let's start well, there. Well, what happened was I, I, I'd written an earlier column about Rex, and, I, and it, it really it resonated. I found that Rex was morphing into a caricature of himself. Oftentimes, when people appear in television land, they're the last to recognize that they're morphing into characters because they're so mesmerized by the camera. And I think that Rex has morphed from journalist to celebrity. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that is, for any journalist, uh, a real hazard. So I, I wrote that original piece, and then I started thinking about not simply the caricature of Rex Murphy, but what what was he saying. And it struck me that he was beating the same drum, particularly on climate change. He's mm -hmm. a well-known climate denier. And then, of course, that he, he was a champion of the oil sands. And we should be uh, clear here that we're almost – we're talking about the wrecks of TV wrecks, yes. not radio wrecks. No. Because he if you hear him on Cross Country Checkup, yeah. he's, he's quite a good uh, you know, and balanced radio host who, who does a wonderful job of, of bringing the opinions of, of the listeners on. It's a very old school type of radio program, but I actually really enjoy it. And then you see him on – on the national, and it's and you know you describe this caricature where Mansbridge is like, well, Rex is ready to go. He's frothing at the mouth. Stay yeah. tuned because here he comes. Yes, yes. And you sort of see him sitting there, like yes. vibrating in his seat. Yes. And it's uh, it's hokey. And yes. then and then he looks at the camera and delivers uh, these sort of identical. As I know, write in the piece, the thing he, that he's saying now is the same thing that he said before, and before that. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. The whole thing has become a pantomime. But I don't begrudge him his soapbox, but who's buying the soap, mm -hmm. right? That's the point. And the point is that when I began to research and look at the number of speeches that he'd given, the audiences he's given, and more particularly the content of the speeches, because they weren't really speech. The one that I referred to in the piece, that is not a speech. He's speaking contemporaneously. And he's, he's just in, in this 
Full rhetorical bloom. Uh, where so specifically, we're talking about a number of paid speaking engagements yes. where various oil sands companies enlisted well, we'll Rex Murphy to try to find out how much he's been paid. Yeah, this is the other. Again, we're talking about a journalist. I went to his Speakers Bureau and I had an exchange with the CEO of the Speakers Bureau. And all she would provide to me was a range that mm-hmm. he might be paid given his stature. And then I asked follow-up, was, well, well, what's on the range of two to $30,000? Where does Rex sit? Is he in the middle? Is it the upper end? Is it the lower end? Where is he? Don't give me the specific fee for that specific speech. She refused to answer the question, and then ultimately, I could probably suggest some an educated guess to clear that up. I, I, I would guess that he's doing more than ten thousand dollars oh. per appearance, probably closer to twenty thousand. Yeah. But that we were careful in terms of the reporting out of the story. My editor and I discussed that um, because n- nobody actually confirmed that he was paid. Right? Yeah. We went to the organizers. I went to him directly. I went to the CBC. And this is why I made this comparison. And it came to me that really Rex and his people, if I can use that term, including his people at the CBC, and particularly the CBC, had were behaving like a security service, yeah. like a secret service. Um, and I mean, that's not their secret to you know protect necessarily, right? Like, like in whose interests are they supposed to be yeah. acting that like they, they need to protect their star from this uh, from this inquiry? Yeah, and I think the most instructive quote unquote speech was to the uh, business forum in Lake Louise in late November. Could you believe that? I mean, you were talking about it earlier. I, it, I've never quite seen anything like it. It, it was for a guy who gets on television to talk about this very issue. It was this celebration oh. of these oil men. Unbridled, unbridled. I mean, I he, he was making love to them. It was... Uh, oh, it was. I, I, oil men, and he was invoking... I'm not mocking him. I'm just saying that even by Rex's standards, it's slightly embarrassing where he invokes the triumph of the spirit. The triumph <laughs> of the spirit. They are what... I mean, it goes from, you know, your technological wizards, you yes, are... Yes. He says, it's nice... I think, does he say for a change, it's nice to be in the company of achievers. Yes. I think he's riffing off of Mitt Romney's... Uh, right. I didn't so, know if he was, if that was sort of like a yeah, veiled jab yeah. at his media. Like, yeah. I, it's nice to not be around my Toronto media yeah. folk. And, and, I, and I think it was a riff. I think he was channeling Mitt Romney. And, uh-huh. and in a lot of ways, this was a speech or an address to a group of like-minded people that was videotaped. And essentially, he was arguing, you are the doers and everyone else is the takers. Apparently, even his CBC colleagues, um, because as if you know, if you listen carefully, he sort of made a jab at the top that he wasn't used to being around people who did things for a living. This was like he's the Oprah for rich oil people. Like mm. it was more than don't listen to Neil Young, don't mm. listen to your critics. Yeah. He, he goes so far as to say that you, what you are doing, you are saving people's lives and you are giving yeah. jobs to the jobless. Yeah. And yeah. you are, I mean, there's a point where he says you're, you're what separates us from just like yeah. cavemen throwing stones at each yes. other. Yeah, and invoking confederation. And, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it was an as I said, I don't describe it as a speech. I think it's almost – it was an evangelical in its quality. Yeah. 
It was almost a sermon to the faithful. And that's fine. He can say whatever he Perhaps wants. Perhaps he even believes it. And yeah. the $20,000 is just a, have, or, have, or whatever is just a cherry said, on the Sunday. But. I don't care what soapbox he uses. What I care about is, and this was the issue, you got paid. And then a few weeks later, you appear on the national and you excoriate not only Neil Young but other opponents of the oil sound without disclosing the fact that you got paid by an outside vested interest yes. to champion the very project that you are now excoriating others for opposing. And that's the ethical issue for me. I, as I said, Rex can say what he wants, but when there's an exchange of money – yeah. When he's pocketing money and then going on the public airwaves to share opinion about opponents of that project, I think that the CBC and Rex, since Rex said in his soliloquy about Mr. Young that Young was unfathomably irresponsible, that he injected the notion of responsibility into the debate. Well, my question is how responsible – uh, has the CBC and Mr. Murphy been in being transparent, honest about his big, fat conflict of interest? This is conflict of interest 101. There isn't really a question about it. I mean, even if we assume that this is his heartfelt opinion yes. and he's, oh, somebody's paying me to come and express my opinion. Once you are being paid yes. and again and again, I mean, we're talking, you know, it might be somewhere in the realm of a half a million dollars over the I years. I don't know. If we're talking about 25 speaking gigs at, at that range, what that brings into question is, well, what if you change your opinion? Mm. If new evidence comes to light and, and environmental damage does mm. cross the line, and, you know, it, it, you, you now have a very, very strong incentive to maintain your, your existing position. But just and the it, audience has no opportunity to know yes, this. But as you know, the media is um, particularly political reporting. And I would hazard a guess that Mr. Mansbridge constantly makes reference to not only real conflicts of interest, but perceived conflicts of interest. Yes. And on January the 20th, Mansbridge had an exchange with Bruce Anderson, who's a regular panelist on, on their political panel. And before he uh, intervened into a debate about Justin Trudeau's Senate gambit, they must have had a discussion about, we're going to have to disclose the fact, Bruce, that you've done work for a variety of political parties, and more particularly, your daughter is currently working for Justin Trudeau. So I asked the CBC. So, so in, a, in a prior instance, Mansbridge says, we've got somebody who's going to offer an opinion, but full disclosure, his daughter works for the Liberal Party. Currently, yeah. almost within weeks of one another, right? So again, I went to the CBC and I said, okay, who made the decision? There had to have been a decision because nothing happens on TV unless it's live. Uh, that's not planned. Yeah. This was clearly pre-taped or it appeared to be pre-taped and they had to plan that disclosure. So who made that decision? He said senior – I got a response back saying the senior editorial leadership at The National. Why did you disclose Mr. Anderson's familial conflict of interest? Well, because of the interest of transparency. Then, of course, that exposes them to, I think, a legitimate question. Well, if you felt it necessary to tell your audience that Mr. Anderson had a familial conflict of interest, why have you and Rex Murphy repeatedly, repeatedly refused? Because if you thought about Anderson, 
The only conclusion that one can draw is that you've made a conscious decision not to disclose, not to disclose Rex Murphy's conflict of interest. Why not? And of course, they don't respond to that question. Yeah. And that, that, I think, is unsettling because what it represents is another occasion of journalists doing what they bemoan other officials constantly from doing, and that is saying nothing. Yeah. It's the antithesis of what we should be doing. They should have engaged me. They should have responded to my questions. Instead, they, they tried to play me. They refused to answer my questions. His people, Murphy and the CBC, essentially retreated into the cone of silence in an effort to not answer legitimate ethical questions about journalistic probity, disclosure, money, and all the rest of it. But Andrew, the, the answer is obvious. The, the, the reason why you would disclose the one conflict of interest and not the other is that one is explainable and the other one is not. I mean, it, it's in direct relationship to their level of transparency. And this is true of transparency. Transparency is such a buzzword now. Everyone yes. loves transparency. Yes. You are willing to be as transparent as you have secrets to hide, right? Yes. So it is one thing to say to your audience, before you hear this next person's opinion, you should know that their daughter works for the Liberal Party. And the audience can say, okay, fair enough. Thank yes. you very much. If Preeta Mansbridge were to say, before Rex Murphy opines passionately about the virtues of the oil sands and how awful Neil Young is, you should know that he's received a half a million dollars from Canadian oil sands companies. What? what, what? Excuse me. Well, I think also, and again, we're sort of making some assumptions here, but I think that based on the evidence, I think that they're they're probably accurate. But one gets the sense that Bruce Anderson is expendable, okay? Yeah. In the context. You protect a star, you right? Know? Yeah. And Murphy uh, is not so expendable. That's kind of an interesting sort of calculation, yeah. right? The other calculation is, okay, if we concede this disclosure point, they will want more. And I suspect that their thinking is, well, Mitrovica's endgame is that he wants Rex Murphy off the national, as if I have the power mm -hmm. or the desire to force Rex Murphy off the national. But I think they're thinking like – as you rightly pointed out, like a, like politicians, right? You cannot concede. You cannot you cannot concede a that you've made an error. B. You cannot concede the fact that you, that this was an ethical oversight, because to do that would only provide fuel to quote unquote the opposition. Yes. Right. Uh, well, that is – I mean you've worked there and I've worked there and there is a bunker mentality that yeah. they are facing opponents who want yeah. to destroy them. Yeah. These these ethical decisions are not based on – you know, they always point to this handbook of journalistic yeah. principles, which I want to talk about a bit yes. more. Yes. But these decisions are obviously ad hoc yes. and, and are as much informed by which personality they mm. – you know, and which story they're covering. Who's important and who yeah. isn't. Right. So, you know – Who's expendable? Right. You so, and I are expendable, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good thing. Yeah. In the long run, I think so. But, you know, I worked with Jennifer McGuire a little bit and had respect for her as a journalist. And I, and I have been surprised by a couple of these editor's notes yes. that really do feel like it, they're not – they they're don't not, make any sense. No, they're not well thought out. No. They're reactionary. You know, almost like the Ford campaign. Like, we're not talking to the media, but we're going to issue a yes. statement and then we can refer to the statement and say, well, we've made a statement. Yes. And looking at this at this response, so she writes, the most important thing to understand is that Rex is not a regular reporter. Well, thank <laughs> you for that. I was under the impression that Rex Murphy was a, was a reporter on the yes. um, We should all be so lucky <laughs> to be freelancers like Rex Murphy. <laughs> so she draws this distinction that, you know, okay, this is about the distinction between an employee and a freelancer. Yes. 
So if yeah. you're talking about why is he going and doing these speaking gigs, it's because he's a freelancer. That's absolutely Semantic. false. Semantic. But it's just not true. Peter Mansbridge does paid speaking. Anna Maria Tremonti does yes. paid speaking. Yes. John Gomeshi does paid speaking. There is more to come, Jesse. There is more to come. <laughs> and, and and then we get into this. So first there's this question, well, why is he able to go and, and, and do these other gigs? Well, yes. everybody at the CBC who can do those other gigs yes. does those other gigs. And then she points again to the to Journalistic Standards and Practices Handbook yes. where it says that CBC journalists do not express their own personal opinion because it affects the perception of impartiality. And yes. I always loved that it was about the perception of impartiality and not yes. true impartiality. Yes. But that's horseshit too because Michael Enright does a yes. uh, persuasive essay before his show. John Gomeshi does a yes. rhyming uh, He's a Principles. Yeah, and and it's 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 in direct relation to like well we make exceptions for Michael Enright we make exceptions for because Michael's not expendable no and Gian Gomeshi is not expendable no. and so he can opine yes. before his show and then gets good numbers <laughs> so McGuire writes it is understanding that this is confusing to people that yes is, that is true yes so uh, disabuse us of our confusion by answering questions by from reporters specific questions and of course they didn't do that no I, I'd love to debate them yeah I, I've taken on sort of media criticism because I think, as you probably recognize, that this void because of the parochial nature of Canadian media. So I wrote a piece, not to, uh, to get too tangential here, but I, I, did, I wrote a piece, a very long piece for the Walrus about uh, the media's complicity in, in smearing Mayor Rar. Mm-hmm. And I urged and I invited all of the people that I had named in the piece to debate me. Yeah. Not out of a sense of, uh, uh, you know, chest thumping or – but that these were important issues that needed to have a public airing. So I would be happy to sit down, you know, I'm going to sound like a bit of a, like a wrestler here, but anytime, Bring any place, anywhere with Miss McGuire, Mr. Murphy, if he's so inclined, Peter Mansbridge, because he does have the moniker of chief correspondent. So that does imply that you are a journalist. Let's sit down. Let's have a public air. And the other ironic thing is that – you would think that the public broadcaster would would invite me. That's what should be happening. There should be a debate. We should be discussing this stuff in the open. The people that I've, I've sent my questions to should be responding to me and, and that I invite them uh, through you uh, to, to sit down. We could meet at Ryerson. We could they meet should meet right here. I would love right to host here. this debate. I'd love to do it. Yeah, that would be wonderful. You should invite them. I will do so uh, immediately after this interview. And I know that they will say no. And, and, and I know that because McGuire, you know, ends her piece essentially declaring the matter closed yes, in, in her way. Uh, what does she say? The bottom line is that we are comfortable with the rigor of our policies, our editorial procedures, and our editorial leaders. Is that the bottom line, that you're comfortable? No, of course. You know, I mean, it's a kind of a limp, hollow piece of exculpatory nonsense. We're comfortable with the content Rex has done for the national, and we're confident about his independence. His point of view is his own. But she's missing the point. It's not about Rex Murphy. As you rightly pointed out, there are other journalists there, senior journalists who get paid to speak. Right? And I think that that's an issue that needs to be addressed. Look, I speak at public libraries and I don't get paid a penny. I make that a conscious decision, right? Because given my position as a reporter and, and more particularly as an investigative reporter, I couldn't be seen, even though maybe I was speaking to a group of forensic accountants, right? 
who I've speak, spoken to. And I got an honorarium, like 100 bucks for my travel, right? Yeah. But I wouldn't have it any other way because then I don't want people to say, well, Mitra Vika, you got paid. I understood my understanding of the role of a journalist, and, and maybe it's Pollyannish. I don't think we, particularly investigative reporters, should be getting paid to, to express ideas to other people because that opens up uh, whether it's true or not accusations that you're in a conflict of interest. Mr. Mr. Murphy and, and, and others at, at the CBC have made a conscious decision that it is okay to take money to speak. I say you shouldn't. Yeah. And in this particular case, I say you need to disclose that, particularly when you're going to shit on people for expressing an opinion that doesn't match yours. Yeah. And as I said, their ethical pretzel is they said to Anderson, we've got to disclose. Murphy, you're okay, brother. Yeah. Andrew, that makes perfect sense. It's a perfectly reasonable and sound position. It's a hardline position. It's the position that most news organizations had for many years when they were paying people a living wage. And when sure. they started to you know, hire people seasonally and on contract, yes. they started to kind of allow people to go out and, and do paid speaking or other work or yeah. express their opinions because people have to earn a living. That's not necessarily yes. the case with marquee names like Rex Murphy, but you know, so be it. The, the bottom line for me is you have to disclose. And if somebody comes along and asks you about it, you need to disclose. Yeah. You can't retreat into silence. You can't fall back to the shop-worn techniques uh, of the very politicians that Murphy skewers so routinely. You know, those, those uh, accountability-allergic politicians in Ottawa or in Toronto or in mm-hmm. Queen's Park, wherever they exist. We've all heard, you know, the rhetoric and the hyperbole about, oh, come out. Come out from wherever you are, you know? Yeah. Well, come out, come out from wherever you are, Rex, you know? Please, help. Let's take a step back here from this one particular issue. because having fun, aren't <laughs> I appreciate it. There's almost like echoes of Margaret Wente here of like, yes, you know, ethics yes. aside, she's too big to fail. Yes. We can't yes. withstand the Absolutely. scandal. And, and Rex is a big star. And what did Stackhouse do? Did Stackhouse give any interviews? I used to work at the Globe. Yeah. Right? Did Stackhouse give an interview to anyone? they bunker down. They bunker down. So in that sense, yes, it's depressingly familiar. Mm -hmm. It's the antithesis of what we should be doing. But Andrew, this is not the first scandal, you know? You wrote before about that atrocious interview that Peter Mansbridge conducted with the Fords where uh, Rob Ford just lied repeatedly to Mansbridge in easily contested ways that went totally uncontested, unchallenged. I I covered before this $65,000 payment that the government made to the CBC News for coverage on the national, uh, which is something that that it seems that Mansbridge himself had a hand in, in, in orchestrating. And if the idea is that these guys are too big to fail, I mean, I get that they're famous journalists, but the ratings for the national are not good. I mean, they've been in the toilet for years and CTV has been trouncing the national. Like to protect these guys who are sort of in the sunset years of their careers, like it's not as if the CBC has uh, an infinite amount of credibility to squander. Well, you, you've worked there, Jesse. I mean, it, there are fiefdoms, you know, that need to be protected and there are moats around those fiefdoms. The whole nature of the national has changed. It, one gets the sense that the national has is, is, is a chat show and you can see how Peter just comes alive during the panels, right? This is where, okay, I had to do that other stuff. 
Now this is what I really want to do. You know? Well, it's like he's bored with news. Like he'd rather just sort of hang yes. out with really influential Canadians and shoot the shit, which is fine. I mean, let him do that on Mansbridge 101. But like the news keeps happening every day. I don't know. It's good to talk about these things. I don't know that we'll have much of an effect. There's almost a sense of, of royalty. Like it'll just be dismissed, you know. I hope it isn't dismissed as a minor irritant. I hope that, you know, I've thrown kind of the pebble into the proverbial pond and that the ripples will start – you know, moving out in sort of concentric circles now and that other people will become involved in asking these questions. Yeah, Andrew, I, I hope so. I mean, I don't think it's going to, you know, come from this podcast uh, or, or, or from your column. I, I think it's good to have these conversations. But I think, you know, they've shown a willingness, uh, you know, with these the stars at the top of the CBC and management to sort of ignore this stuff and pretend that, that these questions don't exist. I think there has to be a greater realization that the CBC's credibility is, is not these people possession to squander. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the old way of doing things, that's why it's old. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that we should entirely dismiss the work that you've done and, and this piece, because I do think it creates, uh, as because we're familiar with the culture of the CBC, that it does create a bit of disquiet. It does create a disturbance there. Yeah. And, well, and, the rank and file, you know, yeah. I, I, because you can't speak about this stuff yes. openly, yes. it is all that people talk oh, about. absolutely. You know? And that's what I pointed to in the Mansbridge, in my Mansbridge piece. You and I well know that what I was expressing in that piece being critical of his, frankly, it was an abomination and an embarrassment that many people, many thinking, hardworking people inside the CBC <laughs> – uh, share, the, share the same view, and I'm absolutely convinced that they share the same view about this situation with, with Murphy and others. But as you rightly point out, dissent is not tolerated inside the CBC. Yeah. Well, you're outside of the CBC now, and you, you can say what you want here. Yes, and, 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 and as I said, I would be happy to come back here to debate Miss McGuire, even Chuck Thompson. They can put out their media relations flack if they want. You know, we're oh, poor Chuck the, Thompson. Anyone, put up anyone. I mean, my preference would be to Rex, number one, then Miss McGuire, number two, Peter, number three, maybe all three, and failing that, Maybe bring Corey Black back. I don't know. <laughs> All right. The gauntlet has been thrown. Yes. CBC, come holler at us. All right, that's your show. Have not heard back from the CBC or the Post yet, though. I would be surprised if the National Post doesn't uh, say something about all of this. I make this show with Tanara Yelland. I am on Twitter at Jesse Brown. You can email me, jesse at jessebrown.ca. Special thanks to Jay Watts this week for recommending Andrew Mitrovica. The website is canadalandshow.com. There's new stuff up there all the time. Next podcast will be up on Monday. If you like this show, recommend it. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.